We talk about having a theology of God, the Bible, and salvation, but what about a theology of religions? And what does the Southgate Fellowship Statement have to do with it? Dr. Dan Strange joins us today on the show. But first, a word from ABWE President Paul Davis. ABWE missionaries are coming beside the lost and the hurting around the world. And through the Global Gospel Fund, they're pulling people from the darkness and training them as leaders. They're planting churches, and they're even beginning their own missions movements. You may already support one ABWE missionary. Would you consider a gift to the Global Gospel Fund to support all 1,000 of our missionaries? Thank you for that. Become a partner today at abwe.org slash global gospel fund. Welcome to the Missions Podcast, the show that explores your hard questions on missions, theology, and practice to help goers think and thinkers go. I'm Alex Kochman, Director of Advancement and Communications with ABWE, joined again, as always, by Scott Dunford, West Coast Advancement Coordinator and Lead Church Planter for Redeemer Church in Fremont, California. It's a mouthful. Um, Scott, I'm glad that we're here in the year 2021. Whatever this year brings us, um, the Lord is on the throne. Uh, God reigns over the nations, and uh, we're grateful. I'm grateful that we can get, we can sit here and do this again. We've got a lot to dive into today, um, but I, I'm going to throw something out there, Scott. So, okay. as you're watching this happen in real time, Scott doesn't know this, but I'm going to tease this towards the end of this episode. Um, I've got some news that I can share. I, I'm not sure even Scott is aware of what I'm going to share. So, if you stick it out through the whole episode, you'll hear Alex's announcement at the end. Scott, any guesses? I, I, uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you get an honorary doctorate from Liberty. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't wait to find out. I, I have no comment on that one. Um, anything that I say would probably get me in trouble really on both sides of that. So I'm just not going to say anything. Um, honorary doctorates are the best doctorates though. Um, <laughs> before we get too far gone, before we lose everyone, uh, we've got a guest today, Scott, who is no lightweight, and he's certainly no honorary doctorate, right? No, we have Dr. Strange from London, and uh, actually, it's Dr. Daniel Strange, uh, who is the uh, college director at Oak Hill Theological Co- uh, College in London. He lectures on college and uh, culture, th- uh, religion, and public theology. Uh, he's married to his wife, Ellie. They have seven children. Uh, he's also an elder at East Finchley Baptist Church, um, and, and his PhD from Bristol University has been published as the possibility of salvation among the evangel unevangelized. So you can kind of see where this mm. is going. Also have yeah. several books published. Uh, one of the most significant books as far as our discussion goes is, is called For Their Rock Is Not Our Rock, An Evangelical Theology of Religions. Um, also a book called Confident, Why We Can Trust the Bible, which, which, is, which he co-authored with Mike Ovi. And uh, a new book that just came out with, with Good Book, company called Plugged In, connecting your faith to what you watch, read, and play. So Daniel, uh, it's so good to have you with us. Sorry for the Dr. Strange joke, but I'm sure you've heard those many, many times. Uh, welcome to our show. Great to meet you, Scott. Great to meet you, Alex. Just to say on that, that my dad, what's interesting about that name is my dad, who's originally from Guyana in South America, he came over to uh, the UK in the 60s, but his name wasn't Strange. He chose the name Strange. He, his mm. name was Prashad. He came from a Hindu background. So there's a real mystery. He died about 10 years ago, but we don't know why he chose the name Strange. So that's even more strange. So, so he may be a wizard. 
That's maybe, what you're getting. At. Maybe he's a comic book lover. Yeah, maybe, well, yes. Yeah, so I think it might have been the Peter Sellers film. Doctor Strange was around at, at, at the time, but we don't know. He went to his grave, not really telling us about it. So there you go. Well, and he left that birthright to you, and uh, you get to bear the consequences living in London, ministering exactly. there, and uh, exactly. yeah. <laughs> but hopefully pointing people to the right, to the, the right faith. So that that's uh, yeah, yes. quite a change. So. I want to transition this uh, from comic books to, uh, to, to mission. So you've written a lot. Uh, you're, you're obviously working in academia. Um, what piqued your interest and caused you to devote your academic career to writing and thinking and challenging people about this area of missions? Yeah, great question. Well, I think, I think that the background, my, my, so my, um, my grandparents on my dad's side were, were Hindus. And, um, I think, uh, I've always been inquisitive. So when I got converted when I was 16, um, I wanted to go and study theology and religious studies. And I went to a very uh, liberal, secular kind of religious studies department where I was immediately kind of labeled as the Baptist fundamentalist. But I think it was a, a kind of a refiner's fire. But one of the, my, my, who, the person who would become my PhD supervisor, a guy called Gavin DeCosta, who's probably the world catholic authority on catholic positions to do with other religions uh we got on really well he was very confessional in his own catholic faith so we started talking and he wanted me to do a phd and i was really interested in that question of soteriology and salvation and what happens to people who have never heard and at the time there was a, um, a thinker who died a few years ago a guy called clark pinnock who was associated with um the openness of god movement but he was writing a lot on the idea of inclusivism, that people could be saved by Jesus, even though they didn't know about him. And uh, I was quite critical of that. So I spent three years uh, um, studying Pinnock. And so my PhD dissertation was on um, what happens to people who never hear, coming from a kind of more reformed evangelical perspective. Um, And then I think what happened then is that I... I realized that the question of salvation is so key, but I had other questions like what what do we make of the phenomena of of, of religion? What do we say about truth? We say that other religions um, can't lead to salvation, but um, what can we say? Is there any truth in them? Um, what why has God ordained uh, other religions? How do they serve? And that got me into writing a much bigger um, work, this the the Rock Book, which is trying to give a, a very um, uh, uh, detailed description from a biblical point of view, um, talking about the religious other. What what is it in 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 biblical terms? Especially given the fact that the Bible doesn't really use the term religion at all. Um, so I, I've always been interested uh, in 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 those areas and from a, a, a missiological point of view, uh, really. So that continues to uh, pique my interest and my research interests, especially as a theologian. I think that's the the interesting thing. I'm very interested in kind of uh, the theory of uh, what does it mean for a theologian to study mission? What does it mean for missiologists to be theological? What does that mean for the study of religion in general? And I'm, I'm spending more time thinking about those more, uh, I suppose, methodological questions, which I think are so crucial mm-hmm. um, as we work out um, the importance of theology for understanding other religions. So, you know, I want to just ask one more question about about the book, because I think it's, it's, it's practical, especially, you know, I, we were talking, you know, before we started recording, I'm out here in the Bay area. Um, 
very similar, I think, in many ways to London. I've only been to London one time, but it strikes me as similar in that, you know, majority population Asian, um, an yep. aging uh, Caucasian population, really diverse in the uh, in, in different religions. And just just this week, um, we we got a knock on our door, and uh, a Muslim family was at uh, was at my door, and uh, they were very concerned because. Um, you know, someone in their family had, had, had been made a profession of faith and they had been attending our services and, and being mm. in contact with our people. And, uh, on your and, door. and they were just, you know, they're, right. they, they were very sweet, very heartbroken. Um, mm. and they weren't accusatory at all. Uh, they were pleading, you know, with, with me not to do anything as much as just to sympathize with their situation. Although I think that they did have a, you know, something they did want me to do. Um, but, but the things that kept coming out of their mouths were, you know, we, you know, all religions are good and they're fine. And, but, but you, mm -hmm. you stay in your lane and we'll stay in our lane. And, you know, our, our people can l let our people stay, <laughs> stay where they're at and you guys stay where you're at, but they're all good and they're all wonderful. And, and Jesus is our hero. This kind of discussion, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, and I, yeah. we, we kind of expect that in the secular, uh, very, uh, pluralistic West, but, 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 we also see some of that kind of creeping up into the churches. So have you seen this as, and this will also segue, I think, into the next part of our discussion, but, but why do churches need to have a theology of religion? It, we kind of always have assumed, especially with the older generation, that it's obvious, right? Like, you know, Christianity right, like is religion, religion, the truth and the life, and, <laughs> right? And Hinduism and, and Islam yeah. and these other things yeah. are all wrong. So what, do you see that right. changing? Do we need this oh, evangelical yes. theology? Definitely, because I think since the, I mean, it's interesting, The um, some of the stuff I'm talk, thinking through at the moment is how the word religion has changed in its meaning from pre-Reformation, post-Enlightenment. And I think what um, uh, what goes as being the kind of this neutral science, scientific study of religion is actually liberal ecumenical theology in disguise, which then we've bought into, in, in and that leads to the kind of more pluralistic view or saying that there's religion and there's the, 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 there's a religious sphere and the secular sphere, which wouldn't have been understood pre-Reformation. No one would, would have understood what you were talking about. If you talked about religion, you meant the Christian religion, you meant the Christian Protestant religion. And so there's a whole lo load of very confusing language that people use about religion in general. I think there is a very strong pluralistic background because no one wants to be confrontational. Everyone wants to be more dialogical. But we come back to the same question. Uh, who are human beings? What is their relationship with God? How should they be worshipping God? And what happens when they don't? And uh, the question of salvation is key to that, but also the question of truth, just what 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 are other religions? And I think... Um, there's a there's a strong continuity that goes I, I i would argue from the new testament out throughout history including the kind of the mission mystery movement which has always tried to say well we the the bible is the way that we view the world and so we need to understand the the religious other in whatever manifestation it comes in what does scripture say about that and i suppose one of the one of the more scandalous things that I suppose I'm trying to say is that actually the Bible does have a united, detailed and coherent theology. It's not different theologies. It's one theology on how we view the religious other. And so it's as much a, it's as much our commitment to scripture to say, we're going to view the world through scripture rather than the other way around. Mm -hmm. But of course, the pressure not to do that 
is immense from right. outside. So this maybe gets back to not only what you've done with the book, but what you've done with the Southgate Fellowship. And you can tell us more about that in a moment. Uh, but what do you see overall that's wrong in missiology that you're seeking to correct? Because I think a lot of people engaged in missions would say, oh, I, I know that these other religions can't save. That's why I'm engaged in missions. But it does go deeper than that. What do you see that's wrong that you want to correct? Yeah, so I think part part of it is a methodological thing. I think increasingly, as a as a theologian, and you could say I would say that because I am a theologian, mm. I, I I have been frustrated looking on almost into missiology or having a missiological interest, mm. but being a theologian, that missiology seems to be more and more governed by social sciences, um, and that those social sciences uh, either are purportedly neutral, which they can't be. Or they're kind of um, they have theological tendencies that I wouldn't say are particularly evangelical. So I think some of it is mm. is a method question about how I, I mean I'm all for deep social science, eth ethnography, anthropology. All these things are absolutely critical to mission, but they have to be understood as theological disciplines under the Word of God. And that's mm. that's one of my frustrations. That how do we get back to that position where we, we recognize that everything we do must be uh, biblical. And I don't mean that in a kind of a, a fundamentalist right. way. I, I mean that in, a, in a, a biblical theory. How do we understand the nature of reality through the biblical revelation? Um, right. and, and then I, I, I do think questions of salvation and, and truth and just trying to really say, well, what does the biblical re revelation say about the religious other? And how do we, how do we have the biblical lenses to, to see that. So they're, they're some of the, the, the frustrations. And, and I think that question of what happens to people who never hear the unevangelized, I mean, those soteriological questions have always been really important throughout the history of Christendom. And I think we need to continue to, to, to think about those, those questions as well, because, mm -hmm. um, uh, at the end of the day, I mean, it's interesting there, there's a lot of critique of, my kind of position or our kind of position to say, well, it's all about post colonial being, we were um, colonial or imperialistic, but actually the more you look into it, the more actually many 19th, 18th and century, uh, 19th, 18th century and 19th century mission missionaries, they weren't interested in imperialism or in colonization. They recognized that people needed to hear about Jesus to be saved. And right. yes, there, there, of course there are, um, civilized cultural implications for our faith. I mean, I teach public theology, but at the end of the day, really, it wasn't a colonization project. It was about proclaiming the truth of Christ to a world that is lost. And I think we need to always remember that as well. Mm. It, it, the other thing is, I, I don't think that most people who are practitioners in the world of missions or those who are very much narrowly focused on the discipline of missiology. I don't think they would agree in theory with anything that you're saying that, oh yeah, this is a theological endeavor. Um, but practically, uh, I personally suspect there's such fear that we would be sort of brains on a shelf, right? That yeah. we would be the frozen chosen, that that we would be only theoretical, theological thought with no shoe leather to our faith. I think there's such a fear of that, yeah. that when it actually push comes to shove, 
we're not approaching missions as a theological endeavor. Uh, let's take a quick break. And what I want to do is come back and introduce the Southgate Fellowship that you're a part of, what you're seeking to accomplish with them. So we'll be right back in a moment with Dr. Daniel Strange, the other Dr. Strange, talking about the Southgate Fellowship, exclusivity of Christ. We'll be right back. Have you ever been approached by a student expressing a missionary call? For the last 15 years, Spurgeon College's Fusion program has been equipping students for missions through life-on-life discipleship, college coursework, and intensely practical training. If you know a student desiring to become a missionary, send them to Fusion at Spurgeon College as their next step. To learn more about how we are equipping students for a lifetime, visit SpurgeonCollege.com slash Fusion. Hi, I'm Scott Dunford, and I'd like to share with you about a new nonprofit ministry established to help churches, Christian schools, and other ministries protect children and prevent abuse. Rich Hamar from Church Law and Tax states that the number one reason that drives churches to court is child sexual abuse. I can't think of anything more devastating to these lives, their families, and our witness before a watching world than sexual abuse that takes place in ministry. The traumatic impact often leaves the vulnerable not wanting anything to do with God or his people. Our efforts toward evangelism, discipleship, and spiritual spiritual formation are not only neutralized, but shattered. Evangelical Council for Abuse Prevention was formed to help ministry leaders understand the complexities of child protection and abuse prevention. They are establishing standards and an accreditation program that will help verify that appropriate measures are in place at your church or ministry. Learn more about them. Find a helpful and free assessment tool to help you see how you measure up in this area. Go to abuseprevention.org and click on the link for this resource assessment. Evangelical Council for Abuse Prevention. And this June, attend the National Conference. Go to abuseprevention.org and register with ABWE21 as the promo code to receive 20% off your ticket. That's promo code ABWE21 to receive 20% off. Brooks Buser, president of Radius International. I am here with Mark Dever, senior pastor at Capitol Hill Baptist and president of Nine Marks. When you go to a culture that's a different language than yours, you're ending up in a kind of majority language that's been reached. And there are other people still more hidden, and it's those people who are often almost entirely unreached, and they take more cross-cultural effort. Is there a way we can better train people to have more realistic expectations of what life is like in the kind of two steps away from my culture? and be able to sustain family life with its normal difficulties there so that there can be a long years and even decades long witness in that culture. And it seems like Radius is set up to provide that training. Radius is about reaching unreached people groups. Go to radiusinternational.org, radiusinternational.org. We're back with Dr. Daniel Strange, author of Their Rock is Not Like Our Rock, A Theology of Religions. And also the next thing we we do want to mention is the fact that you're one of the co-chairs of something called the Southgate Fellowship, which it kind of sounds like the name of a church. (laughs) You're not a church, um, but uh, the the name doesn't say at all 
what is the Southgate yeah. Fellowship? Why did it become, why did it come into being to unpack that for us? Yeah, so Southgate is just the place where we first met, which is um, the the area of London that um, where I teach Oak Hill Colleges. So that that's, it's ah. a, it, I live in Southgate. So that's the reason for Southgate. We had to call it something. So uh, there you go. Um, I think, yeah, in, in a- oh, The London confession was taken. <laughs> yeah, so. Exactly. <laughs> 1689 was done already. So, uh, so yeah, in 2016, I think I'd, some of the things that we were talking about before the break, I'd been thinking about and uh, just talking to a, a friend of mine who's one of the, the, the contributors to the Southgate Fellowship, a guy called uh, Flavian Pardigan, a, a French missionary. Um, we thought it would be great just to get a, a, a number of like-minded uh, theologians, missiologists, and reflective practitioners together. Um, and so we uh, just, in, in some ways, we just uh, uh, thought about having a colloquium, inviting some people together. And uh, that formed really the, the Southgate Fellowship. So we're all kind of like-minded, wanting to say, what does mission look like uh, in the in the 21st century when we still think that the the solas of the Reformation are really important. What does it mean for mission to say sola scriptura, solus Christus, um, only by faith, so, uh, sola fide, only by grace to God's glory alone? What would mission look like? And I think some of it was born out of uh, frustration at, at seeing how a lot of miss- missiology was done, but it was wanting to be constructive. Um, we never thought that we'd end up with a 40-page um, kind of affirmations and denials. But at the end of that first meeting, we had a great time. We wanted to meet again. And so we thought, look, one one thing that has worked in the past is writing a number of affirmations and, and denials. Just um, it's not meant to be a kind of a, um, a, a creed or a confession. It's just a statement of like-minded theologians saying, this is how we see things. We'd love a discussion. And so um, I've been uh, the co-chair uh, the other co-chair is David Garner, who's the um, one of the vice presidents at um, Westminster the- Theological That's Seminary. That's right, not far from us. Uh, right. And we've got uh, a number of others. So it's um, uh, European people who are uh, Presbyterians, I'm a Baptist, others uh, as well. So it's trying to say, uh, uh, this is what we think uh, ab- about mission. And uh, um, it's taken so long because writing these affirmations and denials takes a long time. I don't know whether you've ever tried to do it. Um, but, um, no. <laughs> each, each affirmation and denial has a number of clauses. And, th- and then we got some funding for, for a website. And then we thought, well, just like some of the other statements that have appeared in the last few years, it would be great if people wanted to kind of sign it to say that they agree with it. And so we've yeah. had a, a number of um, people uh, signing it as being a, uh, uh, they, they agree with um, with this statement. In some right. ways, I mean, I know it's um, it is quite not unfashionable, but um, sometimes I think m- the thing about affirmations and denials is that it, you have to be very clear and concise and specific. It doesn't allow for wriggle room, but that's the point. I think what we want to do is try and get a discussion. It's not meant to be the end of a discussion on mission. It's meant to be the beginning, and but being very clear on specific issues that we we have been. Um, uh, troubled about that we'd like to talk about more to do with all aspects of um, mission from a theological basis so from methodology through to eschatology um, and so Themelios the, the the journal of the gospel coalition they mm-hmm. uh, published it and now it has its own life and its own website and we're hoping t- to do more with it. Well practically you know when you're in a setting and I, I say this from experience in which there's very little gospel witness and very few gospel workers. 
um, and you're surrounded by darkness, you do tend to want to, and I think this is a, actually a good impulse to find common ground with other believers and find ways that you can, you know, fellowship and, and even, you know, do ministry together. But that does have a tendency sometimes to overlook uh, methodological errors, which sometimes are more than methodological, you know, differences. Sometimes they're, they're rooted in, in theological differences. Yeah. So I, I can see a, how, how a statement really that gets into detail and your, your, the statement does get into detail. And some of those details are, are things that I think most believers that, that would listen to our show would go, well, that's obvious. Why would that need to be stated? You know, things like the exclusivity of Christ or the supremacy of scripture. But also it gets into things like, you know, the Holy Spirit will not lead someone to to remain in a in a non-Christian religion. And you're like, well, that that's kind of obvious, right? Like, of course, if someone out of a Muslim background becomes a believer, they should join a church and not just stay in the mosque. But uh, as clearly as the statement points out, as those who are involved in missions, you know, intimately know that isn't as obvious. Uh, no, they're, they're so, so you're not are they? So, so why, why spend so much time to state, I guess I've kind of answered my own question in some ways, but I'd like you to elaborate yeah. why spend so much time, uh, stating the seemingly obvious. Because I think, well, I think you pointed to it uh, early, earlier on that where, whereas there might be a tacit kind of, yes, we're evangelicals doing mission together. And of course you want to give the benefit of the doubt when you get into the detail of what does an evangelical theology of religions look like what does evangelical mission look like what does what does it mean to say that the bible is our ultimate authority i think some of the um some of the consequences or the application of that i i think have been a bit fuzzy or blurry in in certain missiological contexts so again let, let me give you the example of um how we use social sciences or um how do we understand things like um the insider movement or um, uh, can you use the camel method in terms of uh, um, in getting from the Quran to Jesus? All of these things, which in kind of academic missiological statements are kind of discussed a lot. We wanted to get, uh, to spend some time at, at a quite detailed level, just um, answering that from what we thought is a a, um, a, a, a perspective that recognizes that there are these fundamental statements to be a reformed Christian, to be an evangelical Christian, Christian that are, I think, non-negotiable. But what does it mean for mission to 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 look like that? I think all of us come from a. I, mean, I think you know all of the people in the Southgate Fellowship come from a more reformed evangelical perspective. Uh, a number of us have been influenced by, for example, the the missiologist J. H. Bavink and Harvey Conn. So that there's definitely a um, a confessional flavour to where this is coming from, yeah. even though that that's not really laid out. Um, but we wanted to cover everything from method through to the usefulness of extra biblical tools or uh, what does this mean for e e ecclesiology? I mean, that was a really interesting area that it really got me thinking. And that's where actually some people weren't able to, to sign the statement, not because they weren't evangelical, but the whole issue of um, what does it mean? Uh, what does, what does, what does the church, what does, when you say the relationship between um, mission agencies and churches. What what exactly should that be? Can we prescribe that in in any way? And that's where there was some real kind of um, tussling between 
uh, out as it comes out in the statement that we 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 do think that spiritual responsibility lays with the local church, although mission agencies are really important. But what's the act? What's the relationship between the mission agency and the church? Um, and you know, these are just really important questions that we need to to be discussing. Mm. You mentioned something earlier that y- you and the others involved in the Southgate Fellowship, and I mean, this is a statement that's been signed by guys like Kevin DeYoung, um, Don Carson. I mean, so this isn't just, you know, a a group of, you know, maybe missiologists that are only focused on that discipline and others outside of that discipline haven't heard of. It's starting to gain traction among pastors, people who write on issues of theology. But you mentioned earlier that you guys hold dear the five solas and their impact on missions. Yeah. So we would celebrate. We love the five solas. How does that impact missions specifically? Can you walk that up for us briefly? Yeah, so I think so. Um, when it comes to uh, sola scriptura, and then I know I keep going on about the method thing, but for me that's really Im- Im- important. Yeah. It means yeah. that there, there is an asymmetry, or a, uh, there is a, a, um, a priority in terms of understanding what does the Bible say about the other, what the religious other. What does the Bible say about um, uh, uh, mission? In, in general, in a way that governs any kind of other social science that w- that might be going on. Now, again, I am critical of theologians who don't who don't think missiologically. I mean, uh, you know, I, I I have a love for mission. I want people to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved, and I and I, I don't want to do that in a broad brush way. So I'm all for detailed ethnographic anthropological social science, but it's got to be governed by the norm of scripture. And so I, I think sometimes we've, we've lost that. I just look at some, even evangelical missiology departments, and it could just be a social science. It could just be anthropology. Mm-hmm. It could just be sociology. It could just mm-hmm. be eth- ethnogra- ethnography, which are all important disciplines, but I do think they, for an ev- to be evangelical, they have to be biblical, and so maybe that's been assumed a little bit too much. And what the the, the statement's trying to say is, no, we do, all of these things need to be explicitly put under sola scriptura, or only by Christ. Again, that that goes back to the salvation question. Um, and how, how are people sake? What does it mean that Jesus is the only mediator? Um, what does the Bible say about that? So that does go back to questions of exclusivity versus inclusivity versus uh, 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 pluralism. Um, so you can run through uh, all of those five uh, solas and say, what what does a, a particular missiology mean when they're refracted or put through the prism of those great Reformation slogans, which are so dear to the and at the heart of evangelicalism. Um, and so we wanted to state those very clearly. And, and the, the, the way the reformation happened and you know, the DNA of it is what we're trying to do. We're trying to reform missions in the sense that, that the reformation was all about ad fontes going back to the sources, going back to yeah. the scriptures, you know, the, the formal principle, the, the principle that, that shaped and informed um, the, the reformation and, and Protestantism that came out of that was sola scriptura in the material thing that the, the material principle that that formed um, as a result of that was the doctrine of justification by faith yes. right in sola fide and so what, what what we have now i think in in evangelicalism is we've abstracted sola fide in other words we've said it's very simple to come to faith in christ all you have to do is trust him even just mentally you don't even have to tell anyone you don't have to do anything public right just have this inward ascent of christ 
And, but what we've done is we've, we've kind of plucked that off of the tree of sola scriptura. We're, we're not deriving that from scripture. And, and so that's sort of how we end up at this point where you have things like insider movements and, and radical uh, forms of disciple making movements uh, where that aren't coming out of the, you know, organic whole and unity um, of scripture. You're saying like, if we're going to have things that we love and cherish like sola fide, yeah. and it needs to come out of missiology as sola scriptura, as, as a biblical, as a theological sort of discipline. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I think as one of you, I, I don't know whether it's Alex or Scott, as one of you said about you know, 20, 20 minutes ago, that this isn't a, just a challenge for missiology from a theologian. I, I want to challenge the theologians with missiology. That is to say, there is a lot of theology that goes on that isn't really interested in um, uh, uh, people being saved or the importance of mission or getting the gospel out there or contextualization. And I'm and I'm passionate that that theology needs mission and mission needs theology and the two need to go together. Um, now, I I come from a particular specialist background in terms of I'd call myself a theologian primarily, but I I think it's so important that we don't have these in colleges and seminaries and agencies. We don't have this compartmentalization. We, we all need to be helping each other. The theologians need the missiologists. The, missio- the missiologists need the theologians. We need the biblical studies people. You know, there's this um, the kind of the encyclopedia of uh, truth uh, is so uh, crucial to uh, a, a holistic understanding of the theological task and the missionary task. And, and I wonder, I, I can't speak to how accreditation works in the UK, but, you know, in, in the States, you, you've, we've, seen, we've had this trend, which I think comes out of a really good desire. And I, I had been in, in higher ed in the past where, you know, in order to help your people who want to become missionaries actually get into the countries that are the least reached, they can't have missions in their, in their titles of, of, you know, their degrees. So, you know, we, we transition things into like global studies and international studies, which then the accreditation agencies you know, required, they have a heavier dose of social science professors yeah. and an emphasis and less of the theological stuff. And, and I know these schools and these professors that I talk to, that that's not their heart at all to see missions change from, uh, you know, a, a part of theology uh, proper to, uh, to uh, social sciences studies. But, but I, I, I do wonder sometimes if that change of emphasis and that requirement by accreditation agencies in order to do that causes those things to get the, the social sciences, get the, the bigger, uh, the heavier weight. Um, and I think it's really important that we, that we make sure that, you know, even if, even if you are a social studies, a social sciences professor, with a heart for missions that you recognize that this has to come under this, these concepts of theology and ecclesiology and soteriology and, and submit those things uh, to the word of God. And again, I think part, there's a bigger, a bigger project here of, of seeing, I mean, you're, you're very blessed in the U S to have the liberal arts tradition that we don't really have here. But when, when liberal arts is working well, the idea is, is that, it's not the theology department or the biblical studies department that's ruling over everything else. It's that the Bible, it's the scripture is um, overarching the liberal arts in a way that informs all subjects, right. including um, um, uh, theology uh, as well. And so it, that's certainly the case for mission. And so we need more um, work between theologians and missiologists. And of course, then the question is not just any old theology, then it's saying as evangelicals, there is a, um, 
a confession, an orthodoxy that, that has been proclaimed for 2,000 years that we think is the pattern of sound teaching, the good deposit, um, that we need to articulate missions with in terms of that con that con that um, that content. So, as as good evangelicals and good missionaries, we we do want to see what do we do with this, right? So, so we've got a great statement. I really appreciate the work that went into it, asking really hard questions and trying to give very specific answers. What do you hope will actually come out of this in the missions community and in the in the churches? Yeah, well, two things really. I think. I think. Firstly, we'd love to start a, a discussion with uh, on on the statement itself, and probably at a more academic level. Um, but also, we want to move then to have, uh, for example, it is quite a weighty statement. And how do we um, disseminate that into local churches, mission agencies? How does it become part of the curricula in terms of uh, uh, discussing discussing the statements that are there? So, uh, how do we have more conferences and uh, more um, uh, uh, content generated from the affirmations and, and denials? So, we're all we're all trying to work out at the moment what what is the next stage. I think certainly a um, a more accessible uh, version or an explanation of what's going on in terms of a commentary. But we've already heard of some churches and some mission agencies who are using it as a kind of a, a teaching guide with questions coming out of, of the statements. Um, mm -hmm. And so we, we, we hope it is going to um, uh, uh, grow. Yeah. So as we wrap up here, can, can you give us some some ways that people can connect either with you, with the Southgate Fellowship or even uh, with your college, uh, Oak Hill Theological yeah. College in London? So um, for, for people who are interested in in uh, the Southgate Fellowship, it's the southgatefellowship.org. And uh, we have our, our own website, um, also uh, an edition of a, a, an open access journal called Themelios, the Gospel Coalition Theological Journal. I'm one of the consulting co contributing editors there, but we published um, that statement in Themelios as well. So there's two ways you can look at the statement. Um, my big book on um, other religions is called uh, For Their Rock Is Not a, As Our Rock or In The States, Their Rock Is Not Like Our Rock with Zondervan. And uh, that's a, 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 a kind of a detailed theological theology of religions um, my book Plugged In is a, a popular book which tries to say that we're all religious and uh, how do we look at um, aspects of contemporary culture with regards, with missiological eyes, uh, really. And then, yeah, the college that I teach at is uh, um, Oak Hill College. I'm actually moving on in the summer to head up a new ministry. I'm going to be the director of something called the Crossland Centre for Culture, Religion and Mission, uh, which is part of uh, Crossland's training, which is a, a partnership between Oak Hill and Acts 29 and uh, that's uh, um, a, a new kind of theological institution. And I'm going to head up a new center there where I'll be developing more work in, in this area. Thank you. Wonderful. Oh, that, that sounds exciting. And, you know, to, to encourage our listeners, we cannot take anything for granted. I mean, I, whether it's how technology kind of gives us this illusion that we can all exist within the same space or whatever. But, you know, today it's Scott getting knocks on his doors um, from from Muslims asking why he's he's going about doing the work of the gospel. Tomorrow could be me. Tomorrow could be you, Dan. Tomorrow could be you, listener. We, we can't take anything for granted. Right. We need to know what scripture says about religions. And so, Dan, thank you for joining us today. And we okay. encourage people to go to the southgatefellowship.org and familiarize themselves with the statement. It's beefy, uh, but it's, it's worthy. Um, and if you're involved in missions at all, that can be a good tool for you. And uh, we're excited about it. And uh, Scott, for, for those of our listeners who've persevered up to this point, we, um, uh, I have an announcement. I teased this at the beginning too. So while we're talking about this actually dovetails really nicely, but 
while we're talking about the need for missions to be theological and, and for theology to be missional, um, Chad Vegas, who is the uh, one of the founders of Radius International, he's on the board, pastor of Sovereign Grace Church in Bakersfield, California. He's been on our show here uh, before, and he's uh, heavily involved, um, like I said, in Radius and a, a few other endeav- endeavors that are missional. Um, him and I have a new book coming out. Um, Missions by the Book is our working title, and it revolves around all of this. We uh, tackle several of the main uh, categories of systematic theology basically saying, hey, we need, to, we need to use our systematic theology to get at our missiology. We need to get there um, going through our theology and not around it. And that is coming out this year. Um, we have uh, gotten the verbal commitment from a publisher. We have our finished manuscript. And so, Scott, you knew that was in the works, but um, wanted well, to let our readers know. Well done. Uh, thank you. Wanted to let our, our listeners know to be looking out for that. And that'll be an exciting resource for people as well. We'll be sharing more about that in the days and weeks ahead. For everyone else, thank you for listening to the Missions Podcast today. And to get more content, go to missionspodcast.com or abwe.org slash podcast. While you're here, before you leave, smash the subscribe button, leave us a positive rating and a review that helps us get this content in front of other people. If you have a topic suggestion, um, it it was a listener to the show that suggested that Dr. Strange join us today. Send that to alex at missionspodcast.com. We check that box. We want to hear from you. We appreciate you. Thank you for listening this week and we'll see you next week.